This morning's scripture comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 25 to 27. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that. Oh, I'm sorry. And will remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you. So thankful for the youth band this morning for so many reasons. Uh, but one is they sang that song um, that reminds us that it's God's breath in our lungs. Um, and I'm in need of that this morning. I have a bit of bronchitis, if you can hear that in my voice. So as we um, settle ourselves to reflect upon this word, I invite you also to pray for me that my voice holds out today. That breath of God's spirit leads us all forward. Let us pray. God, you are the breath that gives us life, that inspires us, that helps us face each day before us. You created all that is around us, and this morning our hearts are humbled by your great love. And that love we know in, in best form in your son, Jesus Christ, we give you thanks. As we settle our hearts this morning, Lord, to reflect upon you more deeply, to perhaps encounter Jesus, we ask that you surprise us by the power of your spirit, Lord. Help us to sense you at work in our world around us, but also, most of all, in our, in our innermost being. Help us to understand, Lord, the, the potential that you see in us, that you have planned in us, that you want to unleash through us. That goodness, Lord, that, that lies deep within each of us, that, that connects to your heart, and that goodness that is vast and wide through the people of your church. Lord, we pray this and we come to you now in the, in the power of that, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Well, this week we're in the series, Show Me Jesus, and um, we're, um, we're talking today about, um, we've been talking for several weeks about characteristics of Jesus and how we reflect those characteristics, and we're talking today about how Jesus is powerful. As we look at Jesus and the scriptures, how Jesus is powerful, and in turn, that makes us powerful. So I set that before you to, to think about this morning. I was looking at the news this week, and I was cruising news stories on my phone, and there was one that, that caught my interest. It was picked up by, by several from the Post. It actually uh, originated in the Washington Post, and this was the title. Maybe you saw it. It caught my eye. You see this? And I, I saw this. Elmo asked, how's everyone doing? And mm, they're not great. Um, I thought, i got to read that article. So I spun over there, and with the article, there was this picture of Elmo and Carly, and the reason that that 
got traction this week, I don't know if you read it, is that on X, on the, the platform formerly known as Twitter, um, Elmo, all these characters, you know, they have influencers and they're trying to keep uh, traction for their corporation. Elmo put out just a question through whatever influencer is behind his character, put out this question. How's everybody doing? That was on Monday of this week. So that went out via X. And by Tuesday morning, that had, that had gotten over 110 million responses. And it just began to build from there. Um, celebrities were weighing in. You can look at this. Look at the stream. Celebrities were weighing in. Other Sesame Street characters. You can imagine what, how Oscar said he was doing, right? So other characters weigh And news services were weighing in. And basically, the reason it got such traction is that everybody was saying they weren't doing too well. That the world is hard in this present moment. People were naming things like uh, the weather, just the, the, the desperate nature of this winter weather across the country that many are experiencing from California on across. People were, were naming concerns about the war in Gaza and what that means for, for all people, but particularly the people that are immersed in that conflict as we're seeing the news every day. People named individual situations, challenges with finances and relationships. There were a few people that weighed in and said they were doing okay, but most people were saying, things are really hard right now, Elmo. It's tough. The, um, the Detroit Free Press weighed in and said, like, the whole city of Detroit is, like, in a malaise after losing the game after being up by 17 last weekend. Yeah, there were news services kicking in and weighing in. The president of the United States weighed in. Joe Biden uh, responded with this. I'll go ahead and put that up. This is what President Biden said. You know, it's hard. He's kind of being encouraging that that father, grandfather figure, we have to be there for one another, offer help to neighbor in time of need, and above all, all else, ask for help when we need it, even when it's hard, you're never alone. This has got so much traction that the folks that prompt Biden said, you need to weigh in on this Elmo thing because it's blowing up. The Sesame Street Corporation, this was so big that in the midst of all these desperate responses to Elmo, um, they started putting up mental health resources, seriously. Like, wow, you know, there, there's something that we've tapped into with this, so we better put some resources for all the people that are struggling. I'm looking at some in the room that I know are counselors. Like, this is, this is serious. The Post article, the author of the Post, he kind of summed up and said, you know, th this is like a, a, a pulse of America right now. Uh, the, the Sesame Street Corporation said it's, you know, Elmo's a trusted friend. Um, I don't know if you're a parent that went through the tickle me Elmo phase. I didn't think that was so fun. But, but for many of us, we grew up and we have comfort with this character. So when this came across, for whatever reason, it was shared around and it caught traction. And it tells us something about the desperate nature of people Today. And that's what the article was about, is addressing that and, and the need for people to, to reach out for help in the midst of so much. 
There's a, there's a meme, I've actually shared it with my, my daughters, uh, that has Elmo, you may have seen it, like a, a popular Elmo meme. Elmo is like holding his hands up and the world is on fire behind him. It's called Elmo's Fire or Elmo Rise. And, um, you know, when something's really stressful, you pop that meme to somebody just to say the world's on fire. Well, this week, the world was basically saying to Elmo, the world is on fire around us. Feels like it's on fire. Now, I start here this morning not to be all gloom and doom. That's That's not where I'm at this morning. I start here to say, yeah, the world is hurting. And... Elmo took a pulse of that this week. It was really unexpected. It was an interesting way for people to respond from their pain and from their concern. But our, our life in Christ, this Jesus that we're talking about, this Jesus that we're trying to encounter together, that Jesus, our life in him, we have a response to all of this. And that response carries a lot of hope. And that's what I want to talk about this morning as we enter in and we pull apart uh, this piece of John's gospel that we're in this morning. So we've been tracking rather rapidly through John's gospel as we're hoping that you're reading also the gospel of Matthew in our reading challenge. Don't freak out if you don't know what I'm talking about. If you're new here today and you go, what reading challenge? We're just asking you to try to read the gospel of Matthew by Easter That is not hard to do. You could go home and do it this afternoon if you wanted to. But we're asking you to to be in God's word as we reflect on the gospel in this place. So we're we're moving through right now John uh, in the worship services. And we're asking you to kind of mirror that as you encounter the gospel of Matthew. We're in today, the section that we read is from John 14. And so we, we came from the early places in Jesus' ministry. We heard last week from Pastor Lauren sort of the transformative nature of Jesus' ministry that was not confined just to the Jews, that extended out to places that Jews didn't even want to be, places that they didn't even want to go, like Samaria in, in his day. And here in, in 14, Jesus is actually preparing his disciples for his death on the cross. The section of 14, it begins a long series in John's gospel of Jesus really beginning to prepare the disciples to be in ministry, to live in his name, to reveal him in the world. So in 14, 14 is, is popular with pastors, John 14, because we often use a part of John 14 in the Methodist funeral, funeral liturgy. And Pastor Barbara knows exactly what I'm talking about. If you've been to some Methodist funerals, a lot of times we'll read just above where we read today. We'll talk about and, and, and share the words of Jesus where Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And in my Father's house, there are many mansions. There are many dwelling places. And that I am going ahead of you to prepare a place, and I will bring you to where I am eventually. That's what Jesus says just above this. He's telling the disciples, like, I'm going to go away, and I'm going to prepare you a specific place in heaven. And one day you will be there with me. And then he, he moves to share this part about what the Father is going to do in the interim. And he says, uh, let's look at the, the scripture uh, part of it that we just read. He says, um, in, in, in my name, the Father is going to send the advocate. 
the Holy Spirit. I'll send them in my name, in Jesus' name. And that Spirit will teach you everything and remind you of all that I've said to you. Jesus says this to them. So I'm, I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I'm going to send, God is going to send someone in my name, and that's going to be this advocate for you, someone who stands up for you. Think about the word advocate. Someone who intercedes for you. And, and Jesus says, this advocate in the Holy Spirit that is coming in my name, in my presence, that advocate's going to teach you everything. Look at that. Teach you everything and remind you of all that I've said to you. This presence of the Holy Spirit that will come to the disciples, to all of us. This is inclusive of all of us. The Spirit is going to teach you everything. Think about it. And it's going to remind you who I am. It's going to remind you of my teachings and my way, the way of Jesus. It's going to reveal. It's going to show you me. We're talking about showing Jesus. It's going to reveal. It's going to be a constant encounter with me. Jesus is saying the Spirit, this Holy Spirit, the Spirit. We're challenged, right? We're challenged to face the world. Think about the disciples They still weren't sure about what Jesus was unfolding as he's telling them. He's preparing. He's like, hey, I'm going to go, and I'm going to prepare a mansion for you. I'm going to prepare a dwelling, and you're going to be there eventually, but I'm going to send this spirit. And they're thinking, wow, you know, the world's a mess. The Roman Empire is still in control. The church is a mess. Like, how are we going to face this time? And Jesus says, you're going to do this with this advocate. So in our present moment, as we reflect, like the world is challenging today too. Elmo tapped into that this week by whatever means, but we see it in other ways. We see it in in broad scale reports that tell us that people are despairing. We see it in the relationships that we're a part of every day. And what as we visit this the scripture today, what we're reminded of is this power that Jesus gave us all. Jesus was powerful, that power that that was unleashed, that changed the world forever in Jesus Christ. This way that we point to that is love, that, that you will embrace when you come to the communion table today, that power in Christ that healed and made whole and inspired and shed light, that power is given us. It's given you and me for the present age, for the present moment. There's more, which is good. With God, there's always more. In this, in this giving of the Holy Spirit, as Jesus says, like, I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you to love you for all eternity, but I'm going to empower you for this life in me. He says, there's more. The next section says this. Read this with me. These are the words of Jesus. Read this with me. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Just kind of let that settle over you for a moment. In a world that seems to be in a constant state of lack of peace, Jesus says, I give you this. I'm not going to give you in the way that the world describes peace, 
but I give you this peace. So in the midst of all that you're facing, he's speaking to the early disciples, but he's speaking to us this morning. In the midst of all that you're facing, don't let your hearts be troubled. And for goodness sakes, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The writer of 1 John, he talks about this, this casting out of fear through the Holy Spirit, through, through encountering Jesus, through being immersed in the love of Jesus. And he writes this way. He talks about fear. There is no fear in love, John says. But perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not reached perfection. That's in 1 John. This love at work in us, this, this work where the Holy Spirit teaches us what we need to know to face the challenges of the world around us, this spirit of love that reminds us of who Jesus was and who we are in him, that love cast out fear. You see in here this, this, this hint of perfection that we as Methodists claim in our tradition that we're working toward perfection. We are perfect when we're filled with the love of Christ through that Holy Spirit. There's so much potential in this. Yet, yet, how many times do you feel just incapacitated, numb to the pains of the world around you. Not that, not that things don't break your heart, but you just don't know which way to step or what to do. There's so much. It's just so much. And it might be when you look at a person in your life and you just say, there's just so much there. I, I don't know what I can do. They just seem like they're so broken. Like, Lord, I, I don't know what to do with her because there's just so much. Or it might be in, in the world on fire state where, where you feel like what we heard this week that, that's on fire. You can feel the flames on your face and, and you're tired of it and you just turn away. How many times, how many times are we just afraid to step out and say, I can do something about that? That, that Jesus is gonna give us what we need is going to instruct us, and that in love that we can move past our fears. Now, that turns out a lot of different ways for us. Sometimes it turns out in just apathy, that we stand back and, and things are ablaze, either in some relationships we know or situations or just general state of something that is really breaking our hearts. And we just, we become jaded. That, that's just the way the world is. I'm going to take care of me and mine, and that's the best I can do. And we do need to take care of our families and our friendships, but we're called to so much more. And we're empowered. We're given this power that we forget about, the power that was in Jesus, this, the spirit that propelled the early church against all odds to convey this faith that we believe in today, that we embrace in Christ this power that, that spun the universe into existence, right? They got galaxies out there that we haven't even encountered yet or counted. Like I lost count at like 150 billion or something galaxies. It just keeps going on. 
the power that created, that, that is the breath in our lungs, that gives us life, that's the power that is in you. You. In you. We forget that. We, we sell that power short in the present age, but it's in you. This is the faith that we embrace. This Jesus who was powerful that says, I'm going to send you this power. It's going to teach you how to face whatever you are facing. And it's going to remind you that I'm with you. It's going to remind you of, of what I would do in your situation. John Wesley talked about this, this transformative nature of the Spirit and God's love as he was preaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew, if you're reading Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, Jesus talks about us, the people of God, being the light of the world. And Wesley said this in response to that light within us. Let's take a look at this quote from John Wesley, the founder of, of our faith, of our denomination. This is written in old language. But Wesley says, love cannot be hid any more than light. At least of all when it shines forth in action. When you exercise yourselves in the labor of love, don't you love that? In beneficence of every kind. As well may people think to hide a city as to hide a Christian. You get that? He, he's saying, You'd be easier to hide a whole city, to try to hide a whole city, than a Christian who is really steeped in love. And that love is shining forth in it. It's easier to try to hide a whole city than a Christian who's filled with this love that comes from the Holy Spirit that is of Christ. How much are we, we hiding that is a question for today. That power that is... Christ in us, at work in us. That's powerful thoughts. You can't hide it. You know, there's a, you put it under a bushel, no, right? You know, I'm going to let it shine. It's, it's meant to shine. You can't put it out. You really can't put it out. Have you ever seen someone that just is so compelled by that Love by that, that call of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing, right? It's, it's contagious. You want to move with them when they, when they catch that fire themselves and, and they move out into the midst of serving. And many of you have been a part of this kind of thing here at Flores Church. Like it's, it's a beautiful thing. Virginia Methodist back, it was about 17 years ago, we got involved in some work in Brazil. And I became acquainted with projects in Brazil called the Shade and Freshwater Projects. Some of you might remember this. In Brazil, an old saying is that you can make it in life if you have a little bit of shade and fresh water. In Portuguese, a little bit of shade and fresh water. Well, what was happening, if any of you have ever seen the movie City of God, it dates back a little bit intense movie. That movie began to tell a story that happened from the 70s into really the early 2000s of where a combination of things, organized crime, strange politics in Brazil, created a whole generation, particularly in cities, of what the Brazilians called street children. 
Children were drawn by situations, particularly organized crime, prostitution, trafficking into the cities in Brazil. And they would live on the street. And sometimes they would be picked up by these negative forces. They would try to make it, try to find job, try to find work, try to find food. It created a social problem. Some of you have probably visited some of Brazil's beautiful beaches and cities, Rio. So the government, under the table, began to play militias to round up these kids and do with them whatever they wanted to. And in many cases, if you look into this, those militias rounded up children and they killed them on the outskirts of the city just to take care of a social problem. We don't want them stealing. We don't want so much prostitution. Let's just weed this out. And that was happening. People knew it was happening. There was a Brazilian by the name of Teca married to an American um, named Gordon, and they became missionaries to those children. They saw what was going on, and at first, and someone starting in one city, they, they pulled those children in. They would take them anywhere into a garage, begin to feed them, try to encourage them, try to break those chains to organized crime that were there. They began to teach them about the love of God. And the Shade and Fresh Water Projects were born. That's what they named their ministry. And in some time, as these ministries developed as, as shelters for children, Gordon and Teka, their lives became at risk. They decided, oh, we maybe need to get rid of these missionaries because we have all these kids that are now gathering around these places where these missionaries and other people are joining them to feed them and nourish them. Like, maybe we need to. So their lives were at risk for a good while. But they got a lot of positive traction in these ministries through the support of the Methodist Church in Brazil and eventually the Methodist Church in Virginia began to blossom in cities. I have a picture of Teka, um, I think, up here. Let's, let's go to the pictures. Well, this is, this is not Teka. This is, this, is, um, this is common to Brazil, if you've ever been there. This is in an urban area in Manaus in the Amazon region, a place where I've done some mission. Those are houses. Um, there might be a business place or two in the midst, but it's very common for, um, for they call them favelas, for people to live in little um, shed-like. You might have 12 people living in one of those places. This is a street where we worked. And the next picture is Teka in a garage, an old garage where they used to work on cars and motorbikes that was transformed into um, a church plant and a shade and fresh water project. She's up there with a the microphone gathering these little children in. And uh, we were there working with them. We were actually building onto the garage to expand the church and this project, uh, which is right, it's in the Amazon region on the Rio Negra, but it's a, it's a metropolitan, it's a large city that moves out then into the Amazon rainforest that joins the Amazon River. And these children, the great houses, Teka and her husband, they, they saved thousands of lives through these projects. They began to replicate in cities and in all kinds of different regions, even in the mining areas, to pull these children in, to give them hope, uh, to shed light in their lives. It's amazing. Teka says, as, as their lives were being threatened and people were challenging them around them, they were saying, like, why are you doing this? This doesn't, there's so many kids in so many places, and you're just working with a small group. 
Take it said that she responded and she said, they said to her, they said, you know, it's like a drop in the bucket, Tekka, what you're doing. It's like a drop in the bucket. Why are you doing this? And Tekka responded and she said, with a lot of drops in the buckets, we can have a big rain. And so drop by drop, life by life, thousands of kids, thousands of kids, lives transformed. Virginia Methodist being inspired as we joined with that project through a former bishop and we contributed and we went and joined hand in hand in mission with those missionaries. Transformative stories. I tell you that story because it was birthed in discouragement. In a, in a world on fire, in, in streets on fire where kids were literally being rounded up and killed because they were a problem. The Holy Spirit works in that way. Us stepping out a little bit drop by drop, a little bit of grace, a little bit of love, a little bit of peace and hope extended. The world in many places does seem on fire. It does. There's people hurting. But I'm here to tell you today that you have something that is so powerful within you. The possibility to step out to step out. Maybe it's not in a situation that is so broad sweeping, but maybe it is. Maybe it's just in that one life that, that you see that is on fire and you face those, those flames of that fire and, and it just tugs at your heart, but you've just been like, I just don't know. The Spirit will teach you what you need to know. You're not going to have all those answers. If you heard that missionary talk or you hear anybody that does that kind of work, they'll say, we didn't know what we were doing. We just saw something that broke our heart and we stepped into it and we tried to figure out piece by piece. There's some of you in the room that I see that have started ministries in this place in that same kind of way. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I feel called to do something for these kids and you have done that. That's our faith. It's powerful. It's transformative. How does the fire of the world get put out right now? It's through us. It's through you. You, child of God, it's through you. So this morning, we're getting ready to have communion. I want to ask you to do something. As you're getting ready to come up for that, I want you to think about what's breaking your heart right now about the world. Maybe one of those individual situations, it may be something big, like what my friend Teca faced in Brazil. I don't know. Just think about that. And I want you to think about, as you feel the heat of the flames of that fire, I want you to think about how you can begin to throw some drops into that that can make a change. It might just be one thing that you think of today that you can do. You can realistically do in that thing that breaks your hearts. Because there's so much potential in you. God sees so much potential. There's so much power in you to transform the world. And you can do this. Teamed up with the Holy Spirit, you and the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing team. Thanks be to God. Amen.